0: Hey folks, and uh, welcome back to the program. Before we get started, I want to wish everyone a happy early Valentine's Day. My significant other and I always celebrate about a week before the big day because that way we avoid the crowded restaurants and the wannabe Casanovas. So what did we do this year? Well, first we went to Wendy's for dinner. I ordered a Dave's Triple because that's what unrefined guys like myself eat and my girlfriend opted for the Baconator. We also got two sugar-free Fantas and split uh, an apple-pecan-chicken salad in order to retain some semblance of dignity. After the meal, we went to a local park and walked hand-in-hand alongside the frozen river, wishing we had both been born in a warmer climate. We capped the evening off in our living room watching the classic Valentine's Day film, Full Metal Jacket and fell asleep on the couch after what was a very idyllic and romantic day. So again, happy Valentine's Day, and I hope you all have fun. And speaking of fun, I have a great episode of the show to share with you today. I recently interviewed Atlanta native and Nashville-based musician and songwriter Christina Murray. Christina released her debut album, Unraveling, in 2013, and followed that up with 2018's Southern Ambrosia which was my introduction to her music Christina has released a couple of singles in recent years and last year released a digital single with cover versions of David Allen Coe's I'm Gonna Hurt Her on the Radio as well as Vern Gosden's That Just About Does It which she sings with fellow Nashville musician Logan Ledger as you'll hear in our talk Christina's in the process of putting together another record which does not yet have a release date, and uh, I'm highly anticipating that one. Christina is a supremely talented songwriter that folks need to know more about. Songs of hers like Strong Blood, Made in America, and The Year Georgia Ran Dry force the listener to stop what they're doing and pay attention to what they're hearing. I've spent many hours with her beautiful voice, lyrics, and melodies, and and I urge everyone listening to go out and purchase some of Christina's stuff. It'll make your life better, I promise. You can find her music at christinamurray.net or at christinamurray.bandcamp.com. I believe she also has a presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and you can also hear her on whatever streaming service you use. It was a pleasure to talk with Christina over Zoom a few days back, and on top of her talent, she's a really nice, humble, and genuine person. I hope you enjoy the conversation. A quick reminder to also give us a rating or a review wherever you listen, and you can also support us by buying a mug or a t-shirt or even some stickers at raisedbywoops.com. Thank you for listening, and thank you, Christina. I want everyone to get a taste of Christina's songwriting, So I'm going to play us into the episode with the aforementioned song, Made in America. And I'll end the episode with the brilliant, Strong Blood. Take care, and we'll talk soon. Nashville based uh, singer songwriter uh, Christina Murray and just for some context um, I think I first came across your music Christina um, through Tyler Mahan Co um, cool. Cool. yeah he he, uh, he I think it was like a social media post or something and he was talking about honky-tonk Tuesday nights at the Legion yeah and he mentioned you and he mentioned uh, Zeph yeah. Um, and he said both of you guys were really impressing him down there, and, and you guys were making some waves. And I think this was right before your album came out, uh, right before Southern Ambrosia came out, yeah, like maybe t- 2017 or so? 20, that yeah.
1: So that album came out uh, September 2018, so it could have been yeah, I've known Tyler for a while now, so it could have been 2017 or yeah, 18 sometime.
0: Yeah, and um, so he you know and i was listening to cocaine and rhinestones at the time and and yeah. i i was pretty imp- like i started to trust him you know because he recommended some pretty great music you know like mm-hmm. some 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 george jones uh deep cuts and um stuff i'd never heard so um so when he mentioned you and zeff i i checked both of you guys out um and kind of kept an eye on what you were doing and then southern ambrosia came out i listened to it and he was you know uh, right on the money. Like I, I, I absolutely love that album. Easily one of my favorites of 2018, and I still go back to it uh, well, often. Thank you. I'm and glad then, that. Thank you. yeah, yeah, no problem. And then, uh, usually, like when I hear an artist I like, um, I'll listen to some interviews with them because, uh, you know, I just want to see what their background is. And and um, it just kind of struck me how just sort of how honest and like vulnerable you were when in your interviews like you just you didn't hide behind anything and you just like talked about the music industry and about nashville like in a very candid way and like i don't know sometimes i find that musicians can be a little guarded and uh i was just really impressed by just how honest you were about things and like you just you just talked about stuff there was no bullshit you know and and uh i appreciated that yeah um sure so maybe we can just start there. Um, Do you, Uh, so so yeah, and then when I got this podcast going, you were on like sort of the short list of people I wanted to talk to. So I just wanted to say thanks for joining me. Yeah,
1: um, for sure. Thanks yeah. for having me.
0: Yeah. So yeah, well, I just want to start with the Honky Tonk Tuesday thing. Like, do you still perform down there or?
1: I do. Um I was there in December right after Christmas. And then the other day, Friday or so my friend Brendan, who is uh in the Cowpokes, Pokes, which is the house band there, he plays bass. He's been a friend of mine for a real long time and kind of helped get it going down there. He texted me on Friday and was like, You're still good for two next Tuesday at Honky Tonk Tuesday. And I was like, Wait, what? So I went back <laughs> and checked my calendar and I had confirmed it. So I'm actually playing there tomorrow um evening. And it's me and then Josh Hedley, Joshua hedley and then Cowpokes. Pokes. So it should be a really fun night. I I think I posted on social media something like reminds me of 2015 back in the day when all of us were kind of getting started back back there but yep still playing honky tonk tuesday for sure
0: nice um so it draws a pretty big crowd
1: yeah it's it's been um you know it's it's kind of like a second home f- for me in in way in a couple ways i've been playing that evening now for Probably going on eight or nine years. I've been in Nashville almost nine years. So yeah, probably about eight years. It got started in 2015, I think, summer 2015. And um, I was one of the group of a handful of people that kind of played there every week, Stu Arcoff, Logan Ledger, um, Cal Pokes, Laramie Socks, you know, so there was there was a handful of us that played there on a road kind of rotating basis. Um, and then it kind of just took off in in like late twenty fifteen, early twenty sixteen. And I've kind of been playing there ever since I think two thousand eighteen. I did a residency there and I played there once a month opening for Jim Lauderdale. He, it was like, we had a paired residency there. Oh, nice. I think it was 2018. might've been 2017, but anyway, it draws a great crowd. The crowds have steadily, I mean, it used to be like, nobody was there it used to be five or six people, a couple of Legionnaires. Um, but now it's, it regularly draws gosh, 200 to 400 people on Tuesday. So
2: nice. It, it's yeah. pretty
1: great. It's, it's a, uh, you know it's another thing it used to be like just one or two kind of dancers and now it's like you can't even get get on the dance floor and it kind of reminds me of the white horse down in Austin i don't know if you've been there before but kind of like that that texas dance hall thing but a little bit more nashfully
0: okay cool
1: but yeah it's a great if you've never been i would definitely If you ever take, you know, take a trip down to Nashville, I would make sure you have Tuesday on your list because it's 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 pretty cool scene. Um, Yeah.
0: Is it a younger, younger crowd? Yeah,
1: it's kind of I would say I've kind of graduated out of it. I mean, it used to be when I would go, it was like I knew everybody. I knew all my friends. And now it's kind of um, it's a lot, a lot younger people. I'm I'm in my you know, I'm in my mid 30s now. So it's 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 people quite, you know, but when I started going there, I was in my late twenties. So I think it's, it's kind of still that scene. It's a lot of people, um, just discovering country music. Um, it seems to me they're kind of just discovering more traditional, um, sounding country music, um, and people who are doing that local bands that are doing that, um, and kind of just discovering like two-stepping and, you know, Cajun and that kind of thing, um, and that community that surrounds that. So, um, i've kind of like graduated out of it in that in that sense a little bit but it's still so cool to see see it happening because you know fashion's a part of it and hats and like boots and you know who's on the scene and that kind of thing so it's it's definitely really fun as far as like being an active member of that you know i'm i'm more of a working musician now so i'm, I'm not there as much as a patron but of course right I felt, like i said it's it's been like a second home to me and the guys in the cow pokes have been friends forever. And, and, um, um, yeah. So, and Laura May, you know, she teaches dance there still and she's been a friend forever. So, so yeah, yeah it's, it's a fun time. So we're going to have fun tomorrow. So
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been down to Nashville a couple of times, but I always missed the Tuesday night thing, but it, it just kind of reminded me of like maybe something my parents would have done back in like the seventies or the eighties, you know, like, yeah. Um, with like you know smoke filling the room and like you know everyone getting drunk and uh,
1: big time dancing, uh, <laughs> and, yeah,
0: and just like like I my parents used to have like card parties when I was younger and like yeah. when I was like eight or nine, I, like euchre parties. I I I'd like bartend at like nine years old and <laughs> and uh, give bring them drinks and they'd be smoking and they'd be like you know George Jones and and Loretta Lynn would be would be blasting in our in our house and it just kind of that it just reminded me of that sort of vibe when i heard about the the legion thing yeah and um, and like
1: i said i think it i think it is important in that it plays a role especially for people that are kind of just starting to be introduced into that kind of music like i'll play one or two covers during my set there and i'll always say "Oh, this is like a harlan howard song or this is a roger miller song you know or you know so and so did this on on this record you know from 1976 or whatever and uh and so I think and and part of that's like a pride thing for me it's just like it's important to know like who wrote the song and, like who wrote that song and and who did it first you know because if someone is there by chance and they've never heard you know a song by Roger Miller then maybe they're going to go home and be like oh I need to discover that for myself i don't know that that part of it is is uh really important to me um after the legion though so legion ends at like or uh, honky tonk tuesday ends at like 11 or so on tuesday and then right up the hill literally just right up the hill from from uh, where legion is is um another bar called the underdog and about a year and a half ago, my buddy Todd Day-Waite, who's a-, a songwriter from Missouri, he started like the late show. So it's like the after show, after Honky Tonk Tuesday. So pretty much like a third of the people that are going to this are walking up the hill and they're dancing for another two and a half hours up at the underdog. And Todd's playing, you know, kind of like old swing tunes and old Hank Williams stuff and, um, you know, Wynn Stewart songs. And so it's kind of even more just a continuation in that scene, reminds me a lot of what um nashville was kind of like when i when i first moved here kind of that just group of well, older what's a lot of musicians that go and it's a lot of dancing it's a real small bar and anyway it's it's kind of a cool thing that's kind of just popped up recently um okay yeah that's remind- so yeah whenever you come down you got to make a you got to make a trip on a tuesday and check them because it's it's about five about five or six hours worth of like real honky and It's pretty fun.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's cool. Um, all right. Uh, so I, I know, um, I know you've talked kind of ad nauseum about your background, yeah. but j- just for some context for, for the listeners and, and I don't know your whole story either, but, okay. um, so you're from Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, what neighborhood, uh, in Atlanta are you from?
1: Um, so I'm from actually from the city of Atlanta. People are often asked, you know, when they find out from Atlanta, the follow-up question is what part, and maybe some people say like a suburb. I'm actually from, um, what we call ITP, which is inside the perimeter, which is the um, big highway that surrounds the city Okay. Um, or I say a city of Atlanta. So I grew up in Northwest Atlanta. Um, it's just, it's right South of Vinings, which is in Cobb County. And, um, uh kind of just uh west of Buckhead area so definitely working class neighborhood um you know it had the neighborhood I lived in was an old mill village and so all of the houses were these old you know two bedroom one bath um kind of mill houses and my dad was a general contractor so basically my house was a work in progress <laughs> okay for the entirety of my life um until he he passed away in 2010 so like my mom said, it's like our house is a work in progress my whole life. And after he, after he, um, passed on, she kind of finished the house and it was, it was finally done, but. Okay. But anyway, so yeah, so that's, that's the part of Atlanta that I'm from is, is actual city of
0: city. Of. Right on. So, so your dad was a contractor. What did your mom, what did your mom do when you were growing up?
1: Uh, she had been a teacher. She'd been our teacher for a long time. And then when, uh, we when she had two kids i think she switched she switched over to admin she worked in a preschool she was an administrator of our preschool and she did that for a long time i think she retired last year or the year before so
0: okay finally okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome um i and i heard you say i think in another interview that like they weren't um they listened to a lot of music you know dylan yeah. and Alman and brothers and jesse coulter and yeah, joni yeah. mitchell and emmy lou and I I heard you mention all those, but, um, but you said they weren't, uh, musically inclined themselves.
1: I mean, if they, if they had any inclination, I really never saw it. You know, my mom was a good, she could sing well, but it wasn't like, you know, she could carry a tune, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, she wasn't like singing around the house so much. And, um, uh, but you know, never, we had a couple like busted old instruments that my dad would get at like garage sales and stuff, but nobody nobody could like play or if they did you know that I would have known so yeah so nobody they weren't necessarily yeah musically inclined in that in that sense but they love music
0: yeah yeah so what so what do you attribute your writing talent and singing talent to like did you have extended family members that, that
1: um my uncle I have an uncle that uh he grew up in can you hear me okay
0: yeah absolutely yep
1: yeah um my uncle uh he he lives in south carolina now but he lived in la basically until just last year but he like went out to california to kind of be a singer songwriter so um you know it it didn't nece- you know didn't necessarily pan out that way for him but yeah he he would play guitar and uh and he would sing and write and play out but you know as as far as like my greater my greater family is concerned i don't i don't really know i mean it's got to be in there somewhere but i guess i don't i've never really thought about that but yeah there's no like musicians necessarily in my family although now like i have a couple cousins that are are into it and uh they're a bit quite a bit younger than me and i keep just wanting to be like get out while you can
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. um well, So maybe just the, you know, just being around all that great music when you were growing up def- probably had, uh, uh, you know, a, a huge influence on its own yeah. with, without yeah, having. I, I yeah. guess
1: so. I mean, yeah. I, again, I can't like pinpoint one specific time or song or anything like that yeah you know, I was I loved Elvis as a little girl loved 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 Elvis I was had an Elvis birthday party when I was like seven or eight and oh wow yeah uh so that was that was kind of a big thing for me and then um you know I kind of got introduced to like Joni and Bonnie Raitt and Emmy Lou and Jesse and um my mom had all those CD. We had that, like, you know, they used to do this like CD mail mail CD club, yeah. whatever. You would get like five CDs for a dollar or something like that. So right. kind of had a lot of that, um, a lot of that kind of cycling in and, and my mom would introduce, you know, somebody new to me. And so I don't know, I just, I played violin as a kid from like first grade to ninth grade. So I think the kind of the dexterity and the, um, the ear that came along with that. And, you know, I sang in choir and I sang at church camp. And and so I think all those things kind of combined just made me really want to know more about how music works and how it works inside my body and how my own voice is an instrument. And then to be able to sing, how to be able to accompany myself because, you know, singing alone is is a little bit daunting and vulnerable, like, like you're saying, but um, being able to play and sing, uh, I don't know that that was intriguing to me. So right at about ninth grade, I started playing guitar.
0: Okay, uh, and do you remember like when you first started thinking about writing a song or like put like writing your your own original stuff?
1: Yeah, that that came quite a bit later. Um, I I didn't really start thinking about writing until actually I moved to Colorado. I lived in Colorado from 2007 to or 2008 to 2014 or so. And um, I kind of had moved out there to finish an internship and to work and then um, to play music. Cause it was kind of a big bluegrass scene going on out there. And I was really into bluegrass at the time. Um, so I moved out there and then uh, I wouldn't say got sick of it, but I just kind of got tired of the, you know, the one, four, five, sing the harmony and like, you know, here comes the chorus again stuff yeah. I mean that's that's fun and i think it's an it was is and was an important part of my musical education and study and journey but um i got to the point where i was like well it's more interesting to like hear a well-written song by you know by people i know you know and then also a little bit of the like oh that's such a terrible song like why is that person getting gigs you know i can write a better song than that so like, <laughs> a little bit combination of both of those things of like Really loving songs and then, you know, or and lyricism those songs and wanting to try my hand at that. And then also a little bit of the you know, I was working all the time. I wanted to be playing more and, and doing that for money. And maybe if maybe if I had my own original stuff, I could I could do that a little bit more easily instead of just being a cover man. Cause I mean, there's a ceiling with that. There's certainly this, if you're just playing covers you can only get so far. And I think I realized I wanted to, to go farther and you've got to write good originals music or you've got to write original music to, to take that next step. If it's good or not, that's, that's up to everybody. Else, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 That's really cool. So you got started a little bit later on then with, the, yeah. So with that would have been like
1: 2000, I guess like 2009 or so. I wrote um, a couple of songs and did a recording session up in, Fort Collins, I think, um, Swing Finger Studio. That's where I re- recorded my first couple singles um, a song called Think About Then, and I think a song called Nothing But Wrong, which I think made it on my first record. I think those are the two I did. Anyway, it was a really interesting experience um, recording. And then I did some recording for a guy named David Williams. Uh, I sang a bunch of his songs um, down in Denver. So that that kind of all happened, I guess, 2009, 2010. And then in 2010, my dad passed away, as I mentioned. And that kind of gave me a yeah. lot more fodder for writing. And yeah. then it really kind of took off from there. And then at, at around that time, I started discovering like, oh, there's a whole crop of young songwriters doing kind of writing really cool shit and like doing what I want to do and most of them are living in Nashville.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. They're now
1: yeah, living yeah. in Colorado. So.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Um I do want to talk a bit more about Colorado but like yeah, when you were growing up in in Atlanta like did you um did you keep an eye on like did did you know what was happening in in Athens at the time like with you know like the drive-by truckers right and in and uh,
1: um yeah. I I not really I my parents had some friends that were kind of hip to that and groovy to that you know um my uh some of my parents friends they lived up the street from us they had a a, a bumper sticker that said deacon lunchbox who i think that's like a old athens van or something but yeah that okay. whole athens scene like the um east atlanta like star bar kind of scene which was going on like late 80s mid 90s and then all the stuff that happened with like truckers and rem and um you know those guys up up there uh I really wasn't hip to that I really didn't get into truckers till I was like late high school um oh, but okay. then they were like my favorite band for like a decade yeah <laughs> and, and I yeah, went so and I uh, like had all their record or had all their albums and um I'll you know I still would consider Patterson Hood and Mike Cooley to be like some of my favorite songwriters for sure um, yeah, I, that's kind of like a dream support slot is to open for the truckers um, for me but and some of my songs I feel like kind of I've tried to try to write like them but it doesn't really go across but yeah. uh, but um so I wasn't really that aware of aware of all that and I kind of feel like I missed the boat on that unfortunately but you know it was a little bit it was probably about five to ten years before my time really
0: right um, Yeah. there's
1: some great shit coming out of Athens now like you know, I love the normal town label and, um, uh, like the pink stones and, um, future, right. know, future, future birds. birds. Yeah, yeah. Future birds is, is some friends of mine and I love their stuff and, you know, so there's some good stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just, actually, I just, uh, on Saturday night I saw, uh, there's a Canadian guy named Daniel Romano. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know him? Yeah. I know. Yeah.
1: Him, yeah. I've never met him before. I, I, um, heard that one record I think he did he put out through normal town the super country one that's I know that one pretty well and then some of his later I guess he's kind of all over the map He's not he's not really classifiable as one thing but he did do that like pretty classic country record um which I liked and then he's he's got a couple since then that I've really really enjoyed also
0: yeah yeah he just played at a church here uh on Saturday night with uh a band called the Sadies and uh yeah it was a good show um but yeah, he is all over the map. He's yeah. kind of, yeah. Like, but, um, yeah. And yeah, same with the truckers. I, I got into them around probably 2010 and be- quickly became obsessed. And, mm-hmm. uh, I just, they kind of started my obsession with like the South too. I think like it was just, you know, like my partner and I, uh, we road trip down there pretty often. So, yeah. um, you yeah, I've been to Atlanta a few times and, um, I like that city a lot. So yeah. Have thanks. You read,
1: uh, have you read that book? Called traveling south of the drive by truckers,
0: is that the re- like the the recent one with yeah I think Steve, it came out Steve, la-
1: early last year.
0: Steven Dusner or whatever. Yeah,
1: I I got about halfway through. It's pretty cool because they don't they don't necessarily do it like chronologically as in how their albums work. They they do it with like the way that certain southern cities have influenced. The members um, oh wow so okay. i thought that was a really interesting. like they have a chapter in athens they have a chapter in atlanta they have a chapter on birmingham you know like a chapter on the shoals region so they they kind of like memphis you know they kind of do all these different and it's interesting because they interweave like his you know history particularly like uh racial and political history of the cities and like how that influenced music and songwriting of of the band and um i think you would pr- really enjoy it
0: yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. It's been on my radar for a while. It's just, um, I should just pull the trigger on Amazon, but like, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I do the library thing a lot or like, and, mm-hmm. and, and Canada doesn't represent the, uh, the deep South very well in our bookstore <laughs> in our bookstores. So, uh, yeah, but you know, I, I've, I got to get that book for sure. Um, yeah. So, uh, so after, you know, growing up in Atlanta, you went to Clemson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You went to Clemson and, um, so Clemson, it's like a little community in its own right. Like it, it, it's like, it, it's a proper town as well as a university.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's grown quite a bit since I've been there. I was there 20, 2003, 2006, and, uh, it was still pretty small when I was there. So it's in the upstate of South Carolina. Um, and you know, it's, it's just right 30 minutes across the border from Georgia and like pretty close to North Carolina as well. So it's real tucked up. Um, it's a little bit mountainous. Uh, there's a lot of sprinkles of like, you know, really rural towns up there. Um, so that's where I was for about three and a half years. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I was just wondering like, do, like, do the university kids like, like hang out in Clemson or do they go to like Greenville to hang out or there's enough stuff to do in Clemson?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, in the, in the fall it's all about football so uh you right. know in the fall yeah for sure but in the springtime it was there really wasn't much to do so you go to Easley or Greenville which was about 45 minutes north which is the bigger city uh sometimes Athens or Asheville or Atlanta but but you know those were just far enough away where it was like that was kind of a slog but, yeah.
0: yeah yeah and and that's where you is, is that kind of where you started playing bluegrass or, or where you kind of got into bluegrass? A little? Uh, a
1: little bit. That's, that's a little bit more because of the summer camp that I worked at, um, which was kind of in that region also is about an hour from hour and a half from Clemson um, into Coa, Georgia, which is in North Georgia mountains. Okay. So that's kind of where I got into bluegrass. Um, I worked at a, at an old summer camp and um, uh, we would do like, Bluegrass gospel songs a lot, um, and then that kind of like seg segwayed into um, bluegrass stuff. There was also a lot of Grateful Dead, and so that olden in the way kind of made its made its way in there. You know, we listened a lot of old country, Hank Williams, Bosiphus, Merle Haggard. Um, so that kind of all kind of intertwined itself. But that's that would be particularly where it was where I like started playing mandolin and started like. Playing with other people and learning how to harm, harmony sing was was um, during that period when I was uh, in college and I was going. I was working at a summer camp and I was living in Clemson. And I, I would go to a couple of jams, you know, during the school year. There wasn't a lot. It was also like a lot of the jams were really um, kind of straight edge, you know, so they would be like in a church,
2: right, right, right. <laughs> so right,
1: it'd yeah. be like no no drinking, no smoking, nothing like that. It was always like potluck, and so so it kind of it had that side of it, that too. Um, but yeah, so it was, it was around that time when I got really into that.
0: Um, is, is or, there, is, oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say olden and in the Way was a really, really big segue because I knew some Grateful Dead. Um, and then, you know, you know, I knew like the hits and like American Beauty I had, we had growing up or whatever, but um, I didn't really know like, oh, like Garcia had this whole, you know, other side of this like country and bluegrass. And, and, uh, and so that kind of, that kind of really took, took off for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so you're a multi-instrumentalist though. You got, you got the mandolin, you got the guitar, do you play banjo? (laughs) I don't play
1: mandolin anymore. I, um, I, uh, an ex of mine has my mandolin and I never got it back. So
0: okay. (laughs) 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 Okay, cool. So you took, um, I was just wondering, like you took parks and rec, like what, what kind of, um, for your degree, like what kind of jobs can you get with a parks and rec degree?
1: So I went to, I went actually to become a recreational therapist. That was my focus. Okay. Um, Which is kind of like a occupational therapist and physical therapist. They kind of all work together. Um, you know, I really wanted to work at like a summer camp for kids with disabilities. Uh, that was and you know issues and that was really kind of what I went to school for um and then I decided I wanted to be a musician instead
0: (laughs) yeah 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 yeah.
1: Uh, so that's kind of it kind of fell off and you know that that's that was finishing my degree in Parks and Rec was was the impetus for moving to Colorado um because they have a lot of they have a lot of that out that kind of thing out there so that's that's like why I moved also partly like to get out of the South for a bit. Cause I think that's important for Southerners. Um, and to, uh, and to kind of see what the music scene was like out there because people were always like, Oh, the music scene in Colorado is awesome. It's awesome. So,
0: right. I suppose you could have like, you could have incorporated your music, your love of music into your, into the therapy too though. Like yeah. in some way. Yeah. yeah
1: I, I looked into going, back to get a masters um degree in music therapy actually at University of Georgia I spent a year in Athens in between um Colorado and and moving here not directly but uh uh thinking that I was going to go back to go to University of Georgia for a music therapy masters degree but I never I never went down that road so
0: okay okay is, is there a difference between like Appalachian uh, i know you you mentioned like the the Colorado music scene like is there a difference between Appalachian and Kentucky bluegrass and Colorado bluegrass yeah. or not yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah <laughs> um like bluegrass from Kentucky and appalachia is is the original like true um form, and then in Colorado, it was like kind of a convergence of what came out of California. Um, And so that, that element of like jamming and continuing the song and playing outside of the melody, you know, traditional bluegrass is really melody centered, right? you know, so the, the breaks would be surrounding like the melody progression and progression, but a lot of the Colorado stuff, like the jam grass stuff is, takes it outside of that, like brings in the, the jazz piece of like, we're going to go, you know, we're going to go outside of the form and um, we're going to extend the break and we're going to play a lot longer. And it wasn't so much about singing, whereas like, I feel bluegrass singing from the Appalachia region, like super tight harmonies, multiple harmonies is an element of it. Um, you know, being able to sing really well, being able to sing in that kind of higher register without, without vibrato and through the nose is more of the focus. Whereas like in Colorado, it's more about, the you know instrumentation, instrument and and picking hot licks and breaks and and not so much about the singing. So that's that's kind of like I've been out of that scene for a while now, so I don't want to like speak like I'm an expert or professor on it. But that's that's kind of the basics.
0: Okay, so a bit a bit jammy or a bit looser yeah, sure. maybe. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Interesting. Um, and then did you record? Unraveling in Colorado as well?
1: I did. Yeah, I did that um at Stout Studios in Fort Collins with a guy named Darren Radic. He produced and engineered it and um yeah, I guess we I cut that in 2012 and 2013 and then it came out late 2013. So yeah, 10 years this year. <laughs>
0: wow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't um yeah, when I when I was first looking for your stuff, I don't think I I, I didn't for some reason I didn't come across that album but then um well I'm after fine with that <laughs> yeah well well there there's uh, there's some really I, I mean I was I was just sort of listening back to some of it lately and I I know um you mentioned the one song you wrote about your dad uh when Georgia went dry is that yeah.
1: what that's? Yeah there's actually three on there about him your Georgia and dry one more year and then um sweet ever after
0: Yeah, yeah
1: those are all
0: about him. Yeah. One one more year is a, uh, a really, a really great song too. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I I hadn't really listened to that album uh, until I listened to Southern Ambrosia. So, Um, uh, yeah. uh, So I heard you mention that, uh, um, I think I forget where it was. There was a interview you were doing and you mentioned that uh, like somebody asked you what makes a good song and you said, you know, obviously marrying a good lyric to a melody. Mm -hmm. But then you also said like, uh, you know, you put an emphasis on like delivery and, and conviction. Yeah. And I, I really noticed that with like, you sort of practice what you preach there. Cause I mean, you, you know, you, um, with, with, with Southern Ambrosia, you can tell that that means something to you, like, you know, sort of to, um, to sing in a believable way, you know? Mm Um, um, and, uh, like when I think of like delivery and conviction in a song, I like my mind went to like I don't know, you know that song Couple Loneliness by George Jones? Yeah. Yeah, like that song or like um like I mean anything Lucinda Williams does seems to just be super, super authentic. Um yeah,
1: you're speaking my language.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I also uh think about like I remember Justin Towns Earl, he did like a uh performance on Letterman in like he sang Harlem River Blues on on Letterman, like, and I think Jason Isbell backed him up on guitar. But like, those three things popped into my mind when I um when I thought about that. But like, I was just wondering, um, when you think about conviction and delivery, like, wh- like, uh, what does that mean to you? And like, um, and what types of artists, um, do you think of when when you think about, you know believability or conviction when when, when someone's singing uh
1: cer- certainly george jones is uh, excellent example um in in a similar vein gary stewart i feel uh you you he can hear his heart breaking and it's tragic because um his he died of a broken heart basically and and I hate that, but, you know, in, in the music, in the legacy mm. of the music that he left us, uh, you can hear it. Keith Whitley is another one. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, you can, all you have to do is hear, tell Lori I love her once. And, you know, I I mean, I remember the first time I heard that song, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it because I was like, you can just, you can hear it's so, everything is so truthful, you know? And um, those, those are two that, that really come to mind immediately um yeah it's it's uh you know I, lo- I love to listen to music to have fun also you know mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> doesn't always have to be so serious and and in that way but music that I really love and that I hope to create um you know has has that element because if it's not real like I don't want it <laughs> you know, ultimately, it's it's yeah. not gonna it's not gonna endear itself to me. The art won't. So
0: yeah, well, that really comes through in your stuff. Like, I mean, I think that's why I um, gravitated toward it, you know, in, in the first place because I just yeah, I'm kind of a sucker for really sad music too. And and yeah. uh, you know, I I do try to listen to upbeat stuff so I don't get too depressed. But like, sad <laughs> sad songs are uh, kind of the way i i go yeah
2: yeah or or, or not even
0: yeah not even sad but just like um just uh i don't know there just has to be like um some yearning or something in there you know yeah 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 yeah. keith whitley i've I've got to dig into his stuff a little bit more um like i think i only know stranger is it stranger to the rain or yeah yeah, I, i mean that that uh that song I've I've listened to that song about a, a, a thousand times like but I got to dig into some of his, some of his uh his other stuff too and and I mean his just his whole story is is pretty is pretty tragic but uh but man he could sing God, yeah he could sing <laughs> um I was just curious about like what uh um what activities you do like to encourage creativity like do, do you um you have anything you do to sort of get the ideas flowing or, I mean, I know for me, like a good walk always helps uh, open yeah. things up, but
1: um I, you know, always keep a note uh, notes app. I mean, i songwriters probably do this now, but I have a lyrics app on my phone or notes app and throw lyrics in there. I, I used to just do it randomly, but now I have like one per year and I'll, write the new lyric on top. I used to scroll all the way down and like write the new lyric. And I was like, no, I need to be putting the new shit on top. So that, because it's, stuff is always popping into my head. If I'm watching a show or if I'm watching a YouTube or I'm reading or listening to a book or a podcast or something or something on the radio, like uh, a, a song lyric idea will pop into my head. Not necessarily a complete idea for a song. Those I feel like are a lot more take a lot more focus work. Um, so I'm always kind of writing down lyrics. Um, I like to, um, I, I, I'm on a big reading kick right now. I've been reading like a book a week or so. Um, so that's, that's really helpful. I like to go for a walk or a run if I need to clear my head. Um, I listen to this, uh, poetry podcast called the slowdown and it's like a daily, um, they just have like a, a poem every morning and oh cool you know it's just like anywhere from two two to five minutes the the woman that hosts the show does like a little intro and then she reads the poem and and so that um liter- literary form i'm i never have worked at poetry or really like seriously read it so to kind of to kind of get into that without really knowing much about it or not being good at it is really interesting um just cause it's so outside of my own wheelhouse. Po- I, yeah. I, I think it is, I guess, I guess in a, in a sense, some people could say lyrics can be like poetry, but you know, to me is like its own separate form. It's, it's really kind of new and interesting. So those are all things, you know, I write myself little notes like this, this says the muse likes to find you working.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> like, you know, if you are working, then maybe the muse will touch down here. I have a, quote from faulkner people need trouble a little frustration to sharpen the spirit on and toughen it artists do i don't mean you need to live in a rat hole or gutter but you have to learn fortitude endurance only vegetables are happy
0: oh wow (laughs) you know yeah keep
1: keep a couple harmonicas like just in arm's reach to fuck around with and guitars and stuff and
0: so yeah what uh what are you reading right now
1: um right now i'm reading a book called everything sad is untrue okay um, it's uh it's a novel It's kind of memoir um everything sad is untrue and then it says a true story i can't remember the fellow's last name I, and he's um i think he's iranian so i don't want to butcher it it's like daniel something um so i'm reading that uh so far this year i've read a book called Northern Spy, a book called Widowland, a book called Demon Copperhead, which is really good. Um, and I read Wise Blood by Flannery O'Connor. I reread that one so just last week. But
0: oh, okay, yeah. Oh, so so so, so that's where the musician gets her <laughs> moniker from. Then I guess Wise Blood is it? You know, uh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay.
1: That's, I would imagine. I don't. I don't think she made that up.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah from, I've never
1: that book's been around for sixty years. 70, oh, okay,
0: so. yeah, Fl- Flannery O'Connor. Yeah, another blind spot, but I gotta, I gotta read that too. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. Um, have you ever read any of David uh, Berman's poetry from the Silver Jews? No. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, oh, um, I have a friend that was friends with him, um, uh, and she a few years ago he passed away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of years ago. Yeah. I, yeah. I just wanted to make sure I was on the same page, but I was living, she's a good friend of mine and we were roommates at the time when that happened. And, uh, she, she played some of their music and, and had showed me some of his stuff, but I never dove into it seriously. But
0: yeah. Yeah. Like I, I kind of, I don't know, poetry's a little intimidating for yeah, me. A, a lot of, <laughs> a, a lot of it, but like, but his work, um, just, I mean, he has a book called I think Actual Air. It's called, and uh, I mean, I, I I've loved his lyrics my whole life, but like, um, and his lyrics with the Silver Juice. but yeah, that that book of poetry is uh is really great. Um, if you get a chance to read it, so um, um and yeah, I, he, read this, yeah.
1: I read this I read short um book last year called um, Short Mean Fiction. I love short stories. That's kind of my favorite. Uh, George Saunders is my favorite author. It's kind of why I like flannery stuff, revisiting flannery stuff, because she's brilliant at at short stories. And um, this, this book, I can't remember who who it was by. I don't know if I have it here, but it's called short mean fiction. And they were just like really, really short stories, just almost, you know, being dropped into the middle of a situation. Um, I think why I like short stories so much is they remind me so much of songs, or can remind me so much of songs.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And
1: so, anyway, that I've I've been thinking a lot about that book, and um, I, poetry is a little can be a little bit like that too, you know, in a very tiny form, the tweet version, I guess.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Short stories can uh, they they kind of leave you hanging too sometimes right and it's like and and there you're you're just thinking about it for like a day afterward like what the hell what the hell does that mean you know
1: yes that's kind of why i love i mean that's why i love george saunders is he he i will think about his stories for years after i read them and that
0: yeah that yeah
1: that to me that's like a good song you know one that you think about and sticks with you and
0: yeah try to figure out like i had to read i think his book 10th of december um yes yeah, yeah like i had to read that a couple times to like grasp it like it you know it's like I feel I mean I'm I'm not you know like I just I feel kind of a, a bit dumb when I'm reading his stuff because like I'm like what the, what's this supposed to mean but <laughs> then you know I, I I read it like two or three times and then yeah, I'm like okay sure. I'm st- I'm starting to get it. but he has a a really uh amazing mind like I've listened to a bunch of interviews with him and yeah, like same and he's such a I mean he's just such a gracious and nice human too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and he's, and he's willing to like discuss his process and like how he comes up with stuff. And yes, uh, yes. like, yeah, it's, he's just a really inspiring guy. And like, and, exactly. but, but I'm always wondering like, how like, you know, it's just, you know, I try not to get envious of people, but like, I just, I envy how his mind works. Cause it's like, how the fuck do you come up with this stuff? I know. He's so brilliant for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But, something I ask a lot of musicians that I, I mean, I haven't interviewed a ton of musicians. I've interviewed a few, but something I always like to ask is like, when you, like, as you get a bit older, I know you said you're in your, your mid thirties. Like, um, do you find like, do you find that your creativity is waning at all? Like, like, or like, were you more eager to write when you were younger or, um, like, like, do you, do you feel like the spark is, 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 uh, I I guess like it just seems like, you know, like a lot of musicians create like and they're at their creative peaks, maybe in their, you know, 20s, late 20s, early 30s, something like that. But um, do you ever think about that? Like, like, does your like, do you think that not really articulating this well, but, you know, like as you get older, do you think your creativity will still sort of present itself to you or, or do you worry about that?
1: Uh, It used to be something I would worry about that I would worry about, but I, um, you know, I'm at this place where I have more than enough songs for a new record. I've probably enough for a record and a half, if not two at this point. And my standard is such that I, I want to only put out great music, so I'm not going to, I'm, I'm just not a content person. I'm not going to be able to be one of those people that gets on Instagram or TikTok or whatever. And, and, you know, or even, you know, uploading to streaming platforms, content all the time. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to be a person that deliberately puts out a, for a better or worse, a, a focused, well done product, you know, that I'm going to be, want to be proud of you know, yeah. for a long time. So that's, that's really kind of my focus. I don't feel like my creativity is weighing so much. I feel like I, I feel that the older you get, the faster feel, it feels like time is moving.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I feel yeah. the
1: crunch in that regard. I've been in the place before mentally and emotionally where I go, oh, shit, I'm never going to be able to write another good song ever again. And then, of course, like a good song presents itself comes, you know, and and I work on it and and I get in a cycle of creativity and I'm writing good stuff again, you know. So I don't necessarily so much worry about the spark waning as much as I do worry about like, well, I got to work jobs to like pay rent and that takes away from my creativity time or I've got to – I, I my standard of, of what I want to write is higher. You know, like I, I journal almost every single day and sometimes my journaling is so benign and, and I just, and I'm so critical of myself. I'm like, God, it should be like writing like unbelievable thoughts about existential, you know, thoughts about the universe and life and like all this shit. And it's just like, no, because the great writers also like wrote to do lists and like wrote about their stupid dreams and like wrote about, you know, somebody that pissed them off, you know, in a working situation. So I can't I I I feel like I'm also not articulating myself well, but I can't so much I'm not so much worried about create the creative spark going away as I am concerned about my own ability to put such a filter on myself that I don't allow any art to actually ever come out because I mean, that's been an issue for me for the last couple of years. I just this past weekend went and recorded four songs down in Muscle Shoals with my band and we were recording them. And I'm like, why did I wait so long to record these? These are good songs because, you know, in my head I was like, these are not good. These aren't good, you know, because my standard has gotten so high. So that's kind of where I'm at. Is that like, I see great art, I hear great music, I read great, great literature and etc. And I want to also be of that echelon, you know, the, the pride, the ego thing is there, obviously, I want I want to put out great art and i think my own fear of not being able to do that kind of gets in the way of me having creative time because if it's not brilliant as soon as i write it down i'm gonna get annoyed with myself
0: (laughs) yeah that's what
1: i'm more that's what i'm more fearful fearful of as opposed to it just like going away at all
0: right yeah yeah no i i I get that like it's kind of hard to write to your taste i guess sometimes you know yeah 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 I, i i get that um like with you with the jobs that you work like do you try to take jobs that um like allow you to like i that a lot that kind of uh, allow f- free space in, in your mind like you know you don't want to work a job um and come home and just be exhausted and like totally spent like do do you do you try to keep do you keep that in mind like you know you you work a job that that doesn't totally exhaust you so that when you get home, you you still feel like creating? Or does that factor um, in at all?
1: I mean, a little bit. I, uh, I'm i at the point now where if I'm going to work, a, like especially like a bartending job is, is uh, a source of income for me right now. I just want to work a couple days a week and make as much as I can within that period of time. And bartending is a great way to do that. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. I also work for um, a nonprofit here in Nashville called the Nashville School of Traditional Country Music. And the it's kind of a, an organization that's just getting going. So to be in on the ground floor of something that the mission is to kind of preserve this, um, uh, the historic and traditional sounds and... Um, history of, of country music and and a lot of things that go along with that old time, uh, uh, bluegrass, that kind of thing. Um, so I'm kind of just getting working with that and that, that feels good in the way of like, uh, it's I'm contributing back to (laughs) something that I think is really important because, you know, there are, there are people that come to Nashville or, you know, not just tourists or or, uh, transplants, but, you know, people that are listening to country music now and thinking that, like, what, you know, I'm not not shitting on anybody, but, like, what Brad Paisley played in, you know, 2008 is, like, super country. Or, like, they're thinking, like, you know, Neon Moon, which is an unbelievable song, by the way, Mm -hmm. by Brooks and Dunn. You know, they're thinking that's traditional country music. They have no idea about, like, you know, Merle Haggard and Wynn Stewart and, 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 and Bakersfield town and, and, and all those kinds of things, people, people don't know about that stuff. So to be working for an organization where the goal is to preserve, um, you know, for lack of a better word here, air quotes, real country music and not, you know, people think that what's on the radio is country. Music. Yeah. Yeah. So, and yeah. that's like offensive to me. And I know I, I, you know, that's like a losing battle obviously, but if we can keep this kind of little small corner, uh, I'm happy to do that. So I, I feel grateful to have that job. It's also a part-time job and bartending's part-time and music, unfortunately is still part-time for me, but you know, trying to change that one day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's really important work. I think. Cause yeah, like there's, there's so many people out there that, um, you know, they're like, Oh, I don't, I don't really like, you know, I like most music, but I don't like country or whatever. Yeah. And, and it's, it's like, uh, you know, if, I, if you could like come over, you know, on the weekend and we can like listen to some, you know, real country music and maybe I could persuade you, you know, like because yeah. c- what you are listening to obviously isn't isn't it isn't doing it for you. But I guarantee if, you know, you know, if, if I played you some Buck Owens or something, you'd, you'd change your tune. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> so that that's cool. I didn't know an organization like that even existed yeah i mean
1: there's uh, folk schools across a lot of the country like i know there's one in new york and uh denver and um you know they're kind of all over the place but nashville didn't really have something like this so my friend meredith watson she's the founder and director and she I i guess it was probably about five or six years ago now she she kind of started this thing so pandemic hit a little rough spot with pandemic so we're kind of just getting back going again but
0: yeah. yeah. So so do you see yourself staying in Nashville f- for the long haul uh, or
1: Yeah, you know? um you know, I love I love Nashville. It's a, it's a love-hate relationship when I'm here too long and I'm going out too much and I'm getting being on the scene too much, I'm getting caught up in the business stuff. I I get really sick of it and and I and I think, "Oh, well well, I want to move to New Orleans <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> or I
1: want to move to Charleston or something, you know, but I I'm at the place now in my life and my career I c- really can't um afford to s- start over um yeah. and I have a community here and I feel like just in the last few years I mean this this sounds arrogant but like do I have the recognition that I've worked really hard for um and and that's just just on a local level like I'm not saying outside of Nashville necessarily but you know i I feel pretty well respected, and that's important to me because I have committed a lot of my life to um the study and 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 the performing of and and the writing of country music and and um so to be here and to be known and and respected in, in that regard um it feels good and and it's important to me so i think I think I will stay here. I also like am continuously humbled that I I get to live in the city that it like, not not necessarily invented country, but like you know that's Bristol you know, but uh, yeah yeah it's it's the business you know the commercial country business from you know Music Row all that like Country Politan and um you know we're talking about Chet Atkins we're talking about you know um, Bradley and all that stuff that all that shit all happened here like. Petal Seal, like rising to prominence. That's you know that stuff is important to me, and like I, I don't know. So I, in that way, I I still I still really love Nashville.
0: So yeah, I'll, yeah. Like when I go when I go down there, I mean you know you you can be a little bit like put off by like some of the stuff that goes yeah. on, on on Broadway, but like, sure. um, Well, you don't have you to know, go to Broadway. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, and, and so I try to seek out, like, you know, I try to like do my research. And I remember the last time I was there, I went to like uh, Brown's diner. Yeah. Does that still exist?
1: Yeah. I just played there a couple of weeks ago.
0: Oh, nice. And yeah. like
1: Me and Logan Ledger and Jeremy Pinnell, we played, we all played there. And it's that place is amazing because it's such like a little songwriter place. Like you go to, it's so tiny and, and you, you kind of go to, I go to play new songs and it was Pat. I mean, Ter, my friend Terry, he's a bartender there and kind of books. And he was like, we've never had this many people come to see a show here, except for y'all show, you know, that show oh, wow. that we had that okay. night. And I think a lot of that has to do with Logan and Jeremy. They have really excellent fan bases and, um, but yeah, it's, it's still there. They're still doing music and it's a cool spot.
0: Historic yeah. Here. Yeah. Like I remember, I think, uh, I heard something about like, you know, Prine and, um, uh, Christ, I don't know. At, at least John Prine, anyways, used to cozy up to the bar there and, oh, and for hang sure. out there. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, used
1: to do cocaine there, so it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's certainly yeah. it's it's one of our spots for sure.
0: Yeah, and you, I've never, I've also never been, but I've heard lots of things about like Dee's cocktail. Yeah, Dee's is, is great. Yeah. Dee's
1: is newer. Um, I, I guess, not so much newer anymore, but uh I remember when it when when it was like there's going to be a new place up in Madison called these Country Cocktail Lounge. That's a that's a great spot. Um uh you know they they do all kinds of music um a pretty solid focus on country but you know they have rock and bluegrass and experimental and all sort all sorts of stuff there. Great spot. Definitely check that out for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah so for all the, you know, kind of tourism stuff that can turn you off a little there, there's still these old classic haunts that you know that are great if you seek them out you know mm-hmm. yeah. yeah um so just going back to um you know you being really um <clears throat> kind of uh picky about what you write and 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 just really um uh particular like when you wrote when you write stuff like you know strong blood or slow kill or, or made in america or something like do, do you know at the moment you write those that those are great songs or do you have to play them in front of people a few times before you, or, or like, like I'm just wondering like if you've ever written a song and instantly knew that you had something.
1: Um, I think with strong blood, it's, it's song to song. So I think with strong blood specifically that one, I knew that was a good song when I, when I wrote it. And that one came pretty fast over a couple like a week or two um the other ones uh man it just depends i think i think that i have you know kind of going back to what we're talking about before with like the filter on what what is and isn't good music and what i want to put out and have attached to myself my identity um as an artist uh i think that um you know, if, if I think, cause I have a whole bunch of songs that n- are never going to see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> so this reason is like, I, you know, I don't want to write and put out ch- cheesy shitty music and, um, and maybe some, maybe somebody interprets my music that way and that's fine. But the, if I am putting it out and singing it, I, I feel good about it, you know? So if it's, if it's seeing the light of day, um, I know that there's some good in there and there's something that someone's going to relate to. It feels good to me, whether that's I've I've been able to sing it well and, and like the lyrics are right. There is definitely some songs that I kind of still tweak when I play out until the kind of the words are just are just getting right. Like I even think on the record, what I sing um in made in america is a little bit different than how i sing it now live and i mean i always knew that that would be, be the case like i'm I'm a huge guy clark fan and i remember reading really early on about how he would like really tweak a lot of stuff live you know until it was just right and i think yeah. that that's kind of the continuous process of being a writer and being a songwriter yeah
0: i i really uh i really dig that though that you you know um, spend that much time with your songs and pay that much attention. Cause you're right. Like, you know, <clears throat> you can, there's so many people that, that, that care more about the promotion side of things, uh, you know, the social media side of things or whatever, and, and content, like you said. And, and, um, I just, I think that's why your, your music hits me so hard is just because, you know, you can tell that a lot of thought goes into it and, um, Yeah, I mean, you're not going to release shit. And I, uh, I'm glad that's that's coming
1: across. So I'm glad that the the hard work is paying off a little, a little bit at least.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, absolutely. Um, I, I don't know. I've just, I I don't know. There's a lot of, you know, just when I, when I, I, like I mentioned earlier, I go for quite a few walks and and whatever. And I just, I've played that, I've played Southern Ambrosia. Like it it just, you know, it's one of those records that, kind of I don't know you don't have to be in any type of mood it just kind of you can put it on at any time and um you know you don't really get sick of it it's I mean I know the word timeless is overused but but still I think it's one of those records that like you know will always kind of stand up Um, well
1: thank you I really appreciate that I mean that's I mean I'm not aiming for that but that's what I that's what I want and I think that's kind of why it the process takes, take, really takes me a long time. Um, I, you know, I, when we, we did these songs last weekend and Muscle Shoals, like one is like a straight funky, like Dr. John, you know, the band kind of it's a really funky groove. And I was just laughing. So I was like, I'm going to get that, that criticism again of like, she's not country and like she's rock and roll or she's too country to be rock and roll, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, I don't care as long as I'm putting out a record that's dynamic. Like I can't tell you how many records I feel like have come out in the last three or four years within the large, you know, within Americana, which is the genre that I work in. And yeah, I'm not shitting on anyone particularly, but it's like so much of the same. It's like, it's the same 10 songs, the same 15 songs on an album. I'm just like, All this shit sounds the same. And I get it's like one artist, but you have the opportunity to make something really dynamic. And and, you know, if the writing isn't going to be there to differentiate your songs, then it's just the same song over and over again. And and that's not what I want to listen to. So hopefully that's not ever going to be what I put out. So hopefully it's going to be like you said, like you were saying, you know all the music that I put out I hope for it to be diverse and dynamic and interesting enough that people want to continue to listen to it and whether that's like there's a sad country weeper on there and there's like a trucker z kind of song you know it's I enjoy listening to all that kind of music so that's what that's what my influences are so that's that's what my art output is going to be
0: yeah yeah what studio were you at in the shoals um was that like a fame or or...
1: no it's called east avalon recorders um i don't know if it had that name it's it's pretty old studio um my my engineer rachel moore she's amazing she came down with us and uh she was saying like paycheck recorder there and george jones and and alan jackson and and uh hank jr and stuff so it's kind of it's definitely an older spot there's so many there's quite a few um uh studios down there other than the jackson yeah. highway and the fame one those are just the, the famous
0: okay <laughs> yeah that, <laughs> Which are that, also that's very
1: very cool too but east Apple one yeah. quarters this is beautiful old studio and uh, we had a great time so
0: so it's still like a <laughs> uh, a music a music destination in some ways then like people still go down there to record
1: yes yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. A, fr- okay. a friend of mine from texas is going down there next week actually with with rachel so i don't probably shouldn't say that but whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know what uh, people I, like to keep secret nowadays it's like the whole cat and mouse shit with like content and you know yeah promotion and and business and stuff i've just never been great at it but
0: yeah um i i hear you i'm not a salesman either so um yeah i remember i was down there in like 2011 in the shoals and i i i I looked into like is it 3614 jackson highway is that what it's called i don't know the The, exact um, i i think i think it's yeah i think it's anyways where share you know where sticky fingers was done and and like it was i looked inside because it was like abandoned and like there was nothing in there and then like shortly after i saw the Mushroom sound studio like i think they i think they fixed it up a little bit but like when i was down there in 2011 it was just like completely forgotten about but i think it was in the process of being bought or something like that yeah 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 it's pretty
1: pretty magical i've i've been there once before and uh i remember walking in and being like this is this is that picture this is the picture. This is where Linda Ronstadt stood in that famous picture for, like, in front of the microphone. Like, this is the spot, you know?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Amazing,
1: yeah. You know, so yeah, yeah so un- so much unbelievable. They have the ticket from, I think, uh, you know, the the handful of songs from Sticky Fingers. They have like that the recording ticket framed up there. It's cool. It's-
0: right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And, then, and when I, I remember when I was down there, too, I went to, like, uh, Tuscumbia. Uh, I think that's where Cooley's from. But he, yeah, there's, yeah. like, the Alabama Music Hall of Fame was there. And um, I think me and my girlfriend were, like, the only people in there. But it was, like, a really impressive – like, it, it's a pretty cool spot. Like, um you know, like, there's so many great musicians from Alabama. And, like, they had all their plaques up. And it just – they were having f- trouble funding the place. And I was like, like, if I – you know, because Canada just doesn't do shit like that. Like we just don't, we, we, we we don't do history all that well. Like, you know, and, and like, uh, um, so anyways, it's just, it was just a great place to walk around, you know?
1: Yeah. My, um, my boyfriend's from Birmingham. So, and you know, I'm from Atlanta, so we're always, we're not always, but we're often like talking about how, well, you know, which state has like the, which state are more of the best musicians from, you know, I've got, you know, yeah well i mean like hank williams come
0: on yeah yeah exactly yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah that's uh, uh yeah hank williams yeah i um i yeah this isn't about me but um but there's a i went to his boyhood home one time too like south of montgomery in like georgiana alabama i think and it was like just this woman in her 60s or 70s that was running the place and like again like i was like the only person there and like her husband was like fixing his truck and like drinking a diet coke or something and i'm like is this hank williams boyhood home and he's like yeah yeah go inside and (laughs) it was it was like this this lady that was running it and she's like yeah i'll take you all around and and uh it was it was incredible yeah and then you know i went to his grave and in outside of montgomery and yeah so love love music history um Anyways, you've been really generous. I, I wanted to uh, just quickly ask you, like, I know you said you recorded four songs. Yeah. Um, like, are you trying to get a full length down or or what's your sort of plans for the future in terms of releasing music?
1: Yeah, I, um, I do want to have a record done by the end of the year, um, which means it wouldn't come out until next year. Uh, just the way that The promotion process, like, first of all, recording, (laughs) I got to do that first, but like the mixing, mastering, all the, you know, visual element that goes with it. And then I would like to have some, some kind of help with putting this out if I can. So I'll try to see if I could shop it or find some sort of distribution, um, for it. And then hopefully, you know, try to have something by early next year is, is really the goal Again, like I'm not kind of a blessing and a curse in that <laughs> in that I uh, <laughs> um am not beholden to a label. So I'm I'm outside of my album cycle at this point. The pandemic kind of threw that, you know, threw that for a loop anyway. Um so I'm not beholden to anything. I would I would like to to really s- use this year to set up um next year for me in the right way with the release and with the tour and support and and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, unfortunately, more of this year will be uh, fortunately and unfortunately writing and being creative and recording and playing a little bit um, in in the hopes that you know early next year I can have have a record um, ready to put out. So yeah, the goal is to is to have a a full length and that'll be nine or 10 songs, you know, similar to Southern Ambrosia. Nobody needs to hear me for longer than 30 minutes. So Mm, (laughs) um, there's very few artists that I can listen to for, for longer than 30 to 40 minutes. um,
2: Yeah. Any given
1: time. So, and you can say all you need to say in nine or 10 songs. So that's the goal. Um, We did those four, whether or not they make the record we'll, we'll, remain to be seen. I think they're kind of the some of the stronger songs. Um I'm probably going to be working with another gentleman here in town and recording stuff slowly over the next few months. So yeah, so the goal is uh is definitely have something ready to release in about a year. Um Awesome. Awesome. I can't wait. Just the way just the way that all this stuff shit works unfortunately. It's like some people are like, Oh, you just have to put it out. Just have to put it out. But I did that with my covers project last year and it got like no traction at all. And I put a lot of work and money in those and, and they really just didn't do anything. So anyway. Yeah.
0: You've got some, uh, tour dates coming up too. Like I, I saw you're playing Kentucky.
1: Uh, yeah, I've got a little, yeah, I've got like a weekend run I'm doing Louisville and Lexington. Um, in a couple of weeks, I'm going down to Memphis for the Ameripolitan award show thing. Uh, in a couple weeks next week, I think. Um, yeah. And then mostly just kind of playing around town and, and whatever comes my way. I had a booking agency last year, but they kind of fizzled and fell apart after the lead guy, after the the head left for another company. So, um, I don't really have representation in that way right now. And, uh, I'm at the place where <laughs> my focus is so much on like recording a record and making an album that, that, that the whole, All the energy it takes to book shows and tours is is not my focus right now, and you know it'd be a different story if I had a manager and a booking agency, but it's that's not the case right now, and I'm I'm trying to be okay with it and focus on what I do, which is, you know, singing singing right. So yeah,
0: Yeah. well, thanks uh, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, Um, for
1: sure, this has been really enjoyable. I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of you know, not ask the same old questions over and over again, you know, I, so I, I listened to your podcast with Jason from Marinade. Um, oh yeah. 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 And I, I really enjoy talking to him for the same reason as that he asks like other questions other than like the the basics, mm-hmm. you know? So, so it's always a pleasure to put pl- pleasure to, to talk to someone like you. Yeah.
0: All right, thanks, Christina. I really appreciate it, and uh, I really look forward to uh, hearing what comes next for you.
1: Yeah, so, thank you, Glenn. I, I appreciate the time, and uh, thanks for having me.
0: All right, have a great night, eh? Take
1: care. You too. Okay, s-
0: see ya. Raised by Whoop's fake radio show. This is Glenn. Both Andrew and I are grateful for your time and attention. If you enjoyed that episode, we'd appreciate if you could tell your friends, family, or even a few strangers about the show. Additionally, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you have a story to share or a guest to recommend, you can reach out to us via the website, which is raisedbywhoops.com. We're glad to have you with us. Thanks and take care.